Hello and welcome back to A Little More Conversation, a unique podcast created to promote honest and meaningful discussions about our mental health in the advertising industry, brought to you by Adelphoi Music. My name is Chloe Heatley. And my name is Lakin Clark. And on today's episode, we're joined by Prudence Beecroft, co-founder and executive producer of the London-based production company Odelay Films and a self-confessed self-help book junkie. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm well, thanks. Um, I've been really looking forward to speaking to you both today. Um, I've been doing quite a lot of preparation, which is probably in line with very much my personality and what we're going to discuss today. That's great. Yeah, perfect. Well, you're really well prepped, so I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so as always, we like to start the session off with a little warm up game. And this week I've got the 80s playlist out. So as quick as you can, can you tell me which one of these 80s music legends would you rather listen to? New Order or Talking Heads? Talking Heads. Sonic Youth or Joy Division? Joy Division. Blondie or Fleetwood Mac? Oh, God. Uh, Fleetwood Mac, I have to say. Yeah, Fleetwood Mac. The Smiths or The Cure? The Cure. Madonna or George Michael? Another tricky one. Probably Mm -hmm. George Michael. Guns N' Roses or Aerosmith? Aerosmith, that moment in that film where she's got her hand on the screen (laughs) and it's really emotional. Aerosmith, yeah. (laughs) David Bowie or Queen? Definitely, definitely David Bowie. Oh, good choice. <laughs> and finally, Simply Red or Brian Adams? <laughs> That's like a tricky choice for a different reason, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I'd go I'd go Simply Red because I'm a fellow fellow ginger. So it helps. I'm supporting, <laughs> supporting my peers. <laughs> Love it. Um, so let's crack on with some questions. Um, you have been in the industry almost just about 16 years. Um, It's a very long time. So what sparked your interest in advertising and how did you get into the industry? I pretty much um, always wanted to work in the media industry and that has taken many different forms at different times in my life. Um, I did lots of film extra work when I was a teenager um, and loved being on set. Um, I was just so excited about the craft and the craft. I guess it was just, um, yeah, I just love the energy and the camaraderie of all the crew on set as well. Um, so I'd often often find myself trying to speak to the camera teams who weren't really remotely interested in speaking to a 16-year-old extra. Um, but after that point, I decided to study film at Goldsmiths University, which was great in terms of building relationships with my peers, um, who I'm mostly still in touch with and have long since been industry sort of collaborators as well. Um, and then po- post-university, my first job was at Red Bull. So I started off understanding marketing and advertising from uh, more of a client perspective, uh, which was great. Uh, but I really wanted to be back on set more. Um, so I decided to leave there and set up my first production company, which is called Mugshot Films, um, which was great as I managed to get a few great contracts in, but I didn't love doing it on my own. And I think in hindsight, I was probably far too young and inexperienced for that level of responsibility. So after that, I decided to jump around a bit as a freelancer, working on feature films, short films and commercials. And 
the short turnarounds of commercials is something I sort of was more drawn to and I, I really found I enjoyed. Um, so I then set up Odelay Films with my three business partners to run of our, all of our commercial productions and music videos through. Um, and it was our five-year birthday yesterday, actually. Woo! Woo! Happy birthday! <laughs> Did you have some cake? We didn't actually celebrate it. I think it's a shame that we're not all together because we probably would have gone out for some drinks or something. Um, but we did so. There's various emojis and gifts flying around. <laughs> oh. Well, congratulations! It's, mm. it's, it's amazing. Thank you. That's excellent to 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 kind of hear your your journey in and that you've always always had this passion for for advertising because you know I think it can be really uh, one or the other a lot of the times a lot of people kind of fall into it and for you you've always had this kind of clear focus um, and I I guess I wonder we can maybe go straight into the um, conversation of of mental health because you've had such a long career over 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 the kind of advertising production and film industry I'd love to know what your uh, experiences or or your observations are of mental health within the industry yeah I think in in all honesty it's an industry where I think some really bad behaviors or working practices can go left unchecked like I think in, less so now I think we're changing and I think we're as an industry we're sort of maturing but it's a place where a lot of people that are quite big personalities are drawn to, um, big characters, big egos as well, um, and also very sort of vulnerable characters too. So I say vulnerable because um, I think to be creative, you've got to be incredibly vulnerable. And when you put yourself out there creatively, uh, whether you're a director or an agency creative, um, you've kind of got to put your head above the parapet to make a difference and to do, come up with an interesting idea and that comes with like a whole host of anxieties and triggers so there's a lot of sort of emotion attached to this industry and I can see how you'd end up with quite a lot of um, mental health issues as well that are quite rife um, because you're you're you've got these big personalities all competing for attention um, and then you've got these creatives who have got brilliant brains, but also struggling to, you know, maybe communicate what they're trying to get across. So there's a lot of um, sensitivities that I think you've got to be really aware of um, in in this industry. Um, and also, it's it's not like people, as you're saying, it's like you don't necessarily have to go in. I I I had to go to university because I didn't know anyone in the industry. Like I tried to get into the industry without going to university, but I just knew nobody and no one would reply to my emails. So I I wouldn't have necessarily gone through an academic route, but I happen I happened to. But this is not an industry where you need any form of like training or academia in a way. You're basically hired for your personality. And your personality is like the core of like what where the kind of a lot of emotional triggers can come from if if you're not working well in this industry it's it's kind of down to how you how you think <laughs> it's not down to your accolades or you know to to a, to an extent obviously everyone wants to be an award-winning um something but people just need to want to work with you that's essentially how how you end up getting business in this industry and to add to that, I've experienced some very um, strange feedback in the past by colleagues or managers quite early on. Um, one sort of industry friend told me I was only hired as a runner on a film because I was 
because I was a young woman um, who looked a certain way. And it's really undermining when one has been working hard at being hired for your credentials and your experience. Um, but and and also it's really um, it's it's not great because feedback like that can really stick and actually make someone feel as though they're not really uh, worthy of being in that position anyway. Yeah, totally. I mean, I've had um, some similar comments made to me when I when I first started repping and. And it can very quickly seed in those feelings of um, self-doubt from quite an early stage in your career. Like you said, we we work in an industry that relies uh, a lot on our personality um, over our uh, credentials. And, and so we're constantly trying to prove ourselves. Um, and for some, it can really negatively impact their mental health and manifest itself in ways like um, imposter syndrome, which uh, I know is something you have some personal experience with. Yeah, it's, I mean, it all comes down to that feeling of like what the ideal is. And then that kind of perfect ideal of being in an advertising or any industry, but, uh, you know, we're talking about specifically advertising, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of pressure to be constantly on to be really kind of present to be pitching well to be like at a party be very charming and then the next day be very like on the ball and make sure you've got your line across lots of budgets and there's a lot of responsibility and if you feel as though you don't meet up to that that can really trigger quite a lot of feelings of inadequacy and imposter syndrome um so it's it can be incredibly challenging if you're faced with that as well as all the the workload you've got to deal with as well. It's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, this can affect people from every level. Um, it could be somebody that seems completely confident and amazing at their job, but they might be actually really struggling under the surface. Like from our research, we learned that as many as 70% of people suffer from imposter syndrome. Like why do you think we're seeing such big numbers? I mean, obviously, I can only really talk about my experience as a white middle class woman, um, but many underrepresented or disadvantaged groups are also more likely to experience imposter syndrome as well. So it's worth sort of touching on that. Um, I, I read an article saying there's been plenty of studies highlighting various biases in the workplace, um, such as women being assumed to be less competent than men, which is... It's very frustrating to hear. Um, but also people of colour less likely to even be able to get job interviews. So cl- clearly these biases are not really serving anyone at all. Um, yeah, and it all sort of perpetuates, doesn't it? It sort of creates this sort of false belief that, you know, all these underrepresented groups have subpar abilities. Um, and then that sort of leads to further feelings of imposter syndrome because when someone's in those positions, they feel as though they shouldn't be. I was reading um, Cheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, um, the other day, and she was talking about the job application process. So a woman is not likely to um, apply for a a job unless she feels as though she can do 100% of that job description. Um, However, if a man looks at a job description and they see that they can do about 60% of those um, jobs, they'll probably still apply So I suppose that feels quite um, indicative in a way that a lot of women feel as though they've got to overcompensate 
um, to get to a place that a man wouldn't have to. Um, having said that, I don't think there necessarily needs to be like a male-female divide in this sort of extremity because I'm sure there's lots of men who have imposter syndrome and lots of women who don't. Um, but I've seen it and when we've interviewed people for positions at Odelet, like um, I see so many people, men, mainly women, undervaluing themselves um, all the time. And it's such a shame for someone to not fulfill their potential or, or believe they have the capacity to do so either. Yeah, it's so true. Um, so I was thinking maybe for anyone listening that doesn't no, um, maybe Prue, you could give us a little overview of what imposter syndrome is um, before we carry on um, and how does it take shape? Yeah, so I think there's certainly different moments um, where imposter syndrome can take hold, um, but it's basically an inferiority complex. Um, it's feel, it makes you feel like you're going to get caught out for being a fraud you're not good enough to be in the position you're in. You may feel like um, you're in way of your head. Um, you might feel like if 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 you can do this role, then anyone can do this role. Of course, like anyone can have this job if I can do it, because you're kind of diminishing yourself in that situation, um, which is essentially like saying that everyone else is stupid. Which actually is it's not. It's almost thinking like no one else understands that I shouldn't be in this role. Um, it's. Uh, what else how else can I describe it yeah it's it just makes I think it's just a feeling of being unworthy or of afraid that you're not going to measure up to someone else's expectations or your own expectations I think probably as well um and so how does that link in with um producing because obviously being a producer is really stressful you've got loads of deadlines but you're also you've got a lot of people around you um, constantly asking questions or telling you things and yeah absolutely and you know I guess one of the main challenges is that you're as a producer on EP you really need to be like cool calm and collected like you can't be flapping around on set you need to know the answer to every question you've got to be presentable responsible have good people skills be charming um, you have to manage difficult conversations tactfully there's quite a lot to 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 like spin a lot of plates to be spinning um and you're taking on a huge amount of responsibility like someone might have given you a few hundred thousand pounds of their marketing spend and their job might be on the line and you need to make sure that you're fulfilling those expectations of them so there's a lot of pressure to uh, make sure that you're delivering for somebody else as well um and on top of that i guess another thing that comes up quite a lot with imposter syndrome is is comparing yourself to others. And sort of 50% of my job is pitching. And you are you are literally being compared to others. <laughs> There's no other way of dealing with it. So if you're like, you know, that whole attitude of don't compare yourself to others, it's unhealthy. And it's like, how do I not do that? Like the process, the system is set up to compare how we come across in a meeting to someone else comes across in a meeting, how we're going to be to to handle your your client, how comfortable you feel in trusting us with your budget. Like you are comparing me. So it's really difficult to, to fight that kind of um, 
that feeling. <laughs> so what really do you do to, to kind of alleviate those feelings and what's the kind of processes if you are kind of having a moment of imposter syndrome? Um, how do you deal with it? Yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess you, the first thing would be to like call it out to, to just suddenly be conscious of it um, and vo- vocalize it, maybe even say to someone, oh, I'm feeling a bit um, nervous or um, f- feeling a bit out of my depth here. And then, you know, fingers crossed, you've got some cheerleaders around you to, to help with that. Um, but it's, it's so much more than just um, talking about it because you can't um, talk yourself confident. It doesn't really, doesn't really work that way. I've been quite active in my sort of journey to try and um, deal with it. Um, you know, I got a business coach within the first couple of years of um of running Odelay um I decided to spend a year uh, with a business coach who really helped sort of question why I'd even think I wouldn't be able to do it he was just very confident he was like but why why I was like I actually don't know why I wouldn't be able to do it (laughs) there's no I had no reason to be able to like explain I was like well I am qualified I can do it like but it takes a while to really think that and he just sort of was really great at just challenging every of those sort of negative thought processes um but but also I kind of in the in the earlier years as well I used to really overcompensate with like the way I was dressing to really kind of come across confident so I'd be like I had this pair of shoes that was like, these are my power boots. And when I wore my power boots, I was going to a meeting and they were like in the office under my desk, like wearing the power boots. Um, and then I've got, like, sometimes I'd wear my glasses in meetings. So like, I do need glasses, but it's quite rare for me to actually need it when I'm sat opposite on the other side of the table from somewhere because I'm short-sighted. So I'd wear my glasses because I'm like, they make me look smarter. This will be cool. Um and then, yeah, just like having a, a, I always have a suit jacket in the office. So like, it's kind of like putting some armor on. But, but, but once again, that's not really solving the issue because if you're sort of armoring up to protect yourself, then you're actually kind of like maybe feeling even more like an imposture because you're dressing up to a potentially inauthentic version of yourself. Um, so, actually doing a bit more work and um, like going through the process of self-help books or business coaching or all those kind of things is a little bit more productive than just be like, put the lip- lipstick on and no one will notice. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think that like there's so many, there's so many different ways that you can try and stop feeling like an imposter, but you have to start by not thinking like one. And the... The important thing to know is that like someone who's um, suffering from imposter syndrome is no better or less like less than someone else who's not. It's just the way they're not thinking about it. They're not, they're not having all that negative thought cycle going on. Um, and we don't know what other people are thinking. We don't know what's going on in, in their head. And, you know, that's, that's the sort of best thing you can sort of, hang on to in a way yeah totally so what's some of the best advice or like what have you learned about yourself from reading these self-help books and understanding more about imposter syndrome um so like this podcast for example um it's sort of it's sort of like terrifying in a sense but also really exciting in another sense and um you know I think that you have to really put yourself into a position where you're like I'm going to give it a go like you know maybe I'm not 
the best person to be talking about this, but I've decided to give to to put myself in the arena and see see if I get beaten up. <laughs> yeah, I think it's sort just of going for yeah, it. it's just kind of going for it, and I think that that's sort of. Um, it, it obviously feels simpler not to try these things and put, then be safe and not bother putting stuff out there or, um, you know, but I, I've spent, I've had a conscious decision this year to try and put myself in uncomfortable positions. Um, and this is not an uncomfortable position because you guys are great, but um, <laughs> just to try and uh, try and like push my boundaries and what I'm capable of doing. Um, and I think that's a big part of what what's affected me in the last sort of uh, couple of years and what I've been working through is just trying to not um, expect everything to be perfect all the time and just give it a go. And if it fails, it fails. Maybe fail, try fail, failing bigger or failing better or giving, yeah, seeing what, um, seeing if I can learn something from any failure that I have. Well, that's it, isn't it? Sometimes actually failing can teach you a lot more about yourself or life than winning ever would have. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. One thing I've been doing as well is I've um, I've got an accountability partner, which um, has been, you know, it's just a friend who I met through the industry. Um, but we chat every quarter um, to set our goals and try and keep each other accountable to them and that's really helpful when you sort of say i, I want to you know grow the business in this uh, this direction for this reason and that might seem really scary but if someone else has got your back and they're like mm, you said you're going to do three linkedin posts a month and you haven't done it you're like okay i'll do it <laughs> An accountability partner. I've never heard of that before, but I think it is a bloody brilliant idea. Like, how did that come about? Yeah, it's actually been really, really helpful for me, actually. Um, so it comes from, uh, there's a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear, um, which is all about getting you into healthy habits. And this is just one part of the book, but I thought it'd really work for me. Um, Amy, my accountability partner, is also very much into reading self-development and leadership books. Um, and she was really up for doing these sort of quarterly meetings to help keep our goals and our intentions for the year on track. Um, and so how it works is with accountability partners, uh, you must let them know how you want to be held accountable to that goal. Um, and that's completely individual. Um, so it might be positive encouragement and support, or it could be a financial penalty or gain, i.e., um, I need to transfer you £100 if I don't finish our website design by this date. Um, so it's going to, it has to be down to what's going to be really com a very compelling motivator to you as an individual. Um, and it's a really ho helpful process or, or sort of tool to get out of your head and focusing on actions and progress. So by vocalising the intention and defining the steps you need to take to get there and having someone else to keep you on track, it could really help stop feeling that you're trying to do some, whatever you're trying to do is too overwhelming or you're out of your comfort zone as well. 
I just love that you are such a, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to uh, self-help and personal development. Um, what is it about these books that that really resonates with you? Um, and do you have any favorites you can share with us that you are reading at the moment? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's just kind of um, partly that when you read them, you're like, I know this, I could do this. And it's a real confidence boost. And there's nothing that's like, it's just sometimes reframing things that really, really helps. But, you know, I mean, I could spend ages listening to like TED Talks or like podcasts or even like the School of Life do really brilliant little animations that just like, give like five minutes on, um, I don't know, insecurities or something like that. And it's just a really brilliant little sort of snippet just to like, think more about or challenge more um sort of like some ideas that you've held on to through your upbringing you know it's something that can help push push your perceptions slightly so yeah and and self-help I mean they're just there's some brilliant leaders and they've written brilliant books and like I would say like Brené Brown is one of my current favorites I'm just finishing her book Dare to Lead and she was the one who sort of did quite a lot of research into vulnerability and did one of those incredible TED talks that sort of went viral. But um, I just learned so much from them, and it it's it really gives me a bit of a boost um, of confidence to know that none of these things are that far away, and you just need to kind of listen and implement as much as possible. Yeah, great. And uh, and do you have any other? rituals or uh, routines that you do to keep a kind of uh, healthy balanced mind a balanced mind I mean I, I yeah I do a lot of yoga and I do do meditation as well but and actually I have an accountability group with my meditation which um so there's about 15 people on there who med who say which days they meditated so you just say the date and you just like oh I've done three meditations this week so that's um, a good way to sort of stick to that. Um, other ways to say balanced. I've started um, doing a bit more like signing up to do mentoring. Um, and that is quite, there's something quite um, balancing about it, especially when you feel as though you're not capable of doing something. By saying, I'm going to teach someone else to do it, um, it's a really empowering feeling. Um, my business partner, Pete, set up a a sort of uh, course called the Production Trust, um, which is in conjunction with the Prince's Trust. And it's to try and get young people into the industry who aren't from, um, sort of they're not in, a, a, it's neat, I think. So it's not in employment, education or training. So it's people who want to get into the industry and don't have any sort of ways in. Um, and I was asked to run a couple of the production workshops and there's something really kind of, I mean, obviously I was terrified before doing it, but actually it was really reassuring knowing that I did actually know what I was talking about. Um, and yeah, I think that's quite a sort of positive feeling doing mentoring or talks or something where you're actually pushing yourself to, and you're reconfirming that you do know what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, do you have any um, more advice for uh, someone who might be struggling with feelings of imposter syndrome? Um, I guess uh, stop comparing yourself to others. Like no one's ever been dealt the same set of cards you have. 
Um, and that you don't know what someone else is feeling. So if you think that someone else has got it all together and um, they are not anxious or concerned or insecure or have various idiocies, like if you think that's happening, just scrap it out of your mind. They definitely have all those same thoughts in their head as well. And then you just need to like look at other people and humanize them. Like put, stop putting other people on a pedestal. That's not going to help anyone. Um, and just be kind to yourself. Like think about the self. Like cultivate some self compassion and positive self talk. Um, just be positive as much as you can. And um, ah, what else? And just know that you have talent and you are capable and you belong there well i mean that would motivate me (laughs) (laughs) i'm sitting here like yes yes thank you true like friday therapy (laughs) yes absolutely great advice uh and and do you think there uh is anything that um employers or um, co-workers can be doing to to create better uh, working environments to to support their colleagues who 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 might be more likely to struggle with um, these feelings of uh, imposter syndrome yeah I'm just thinking like the best thing to do would be to to be a real cheerleader to them uh, if you can sense that they're pulling back because they feel as though they're not capable just go over and acknowledge it and sort of like step into those difficult conversations and allow that person to really actually speak about it and say, oh, I'm just sensing you're sort of pulling away a little bit. Is is there a reason for that? And give them the space to kind of say, oh, I just feel as though I'm not going to do a very good job. And then you could give them that support and the encouragement that they need and just be like, you have got this. You've already been doing it you can definitely deliver on this. Yeah, I think that's the thing, like, um, especially how, you know, how important positive feedback is. I don't necessarily think everyone gets it all the time in in their work. And I I mean, I know that also as a characteristic of imposter syndrome, it's accepting praise but also you know in a kind of supportive constructive way is making sure you're always giving it because I don't necessarily think even when someone looks like they're smashing it and they don't need that encouragement it it goes a really long way I think and and we kind of forget about that that um how much that can do for someone's um yeah mental health yeah 100 percent, and you just don't know what else they're dealing with in their life um, they might have a million things on. They might child might not have slept the night before. You know, like might be dealing with all realms of anxieties that you have no idea about. And actually, just saying, "Oh, I think you did a really good job there." It just it goes, and it's a nice thing to do. I mean, like, do we not want to create working environments where people are happy and you know, like they feel built up? I mean, we've all had a boss that you know, made you feel like you weren't able to do it. And suddenly you just make mistakes all the time. You can't help but trip over yourself because you don't feel like, you feel like you're waiting to be caught out. But um, yeah, I mean, let's all try and create work environments that are positive and encouraging and supportive. And and that's when you get the best work out of people, when they're happy. 
So, Prue, thank you so, so much for coming on and talking to us. It's been amazing to chat with you and talk about imposter syndrome as well. Lots of exciting tips and advice in there too. Um, Really looking forward to seeing you soon for a face-to-face catch-up as well. Me too. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much for having me. So that's it. Thank you so much again, Prue, for coming on and talking to us. It was a really amazing conversation today. If anybody listening has been affected by what we've spoken about today in the podcast, you can find links to places of support in the podcast description. Thanks again, everyone. And see you next time for a little more Convos Ritual.